0: a series on the book of psalms and i thought let's pick one of the most challenging verses in the scriptures to go over today and one of the most challenging psalms and and, uh maybe some of you know what it is it was actually one of the ones we got requested when we said hey we're gonna do a series on the psalm or any psalms you want to do i think it was kind of requested tongue-in-cheek uh that they thought certainly jeff won't tackle this one uh but I was double dog dared. So we're going forward. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it's funny because, uh, you know, compared to other Psalms, you know, sometimes I'll listen to other sermons and things people do. And uh, you know, you go on YouTube or your podcast app when you're mowing the grass or something. And uh, you know, there's all kinds of, if you pick any scripture, like you can almost always find tons of sermons and stuff on it. Um, could not find a lot of sermons on this one. It, just for fun. I was like, how and then I started searching. It was like, very few. And when I listened to some of them, they avoided the hard part. I'm not saying everyone. You could probably go home and find one. Uh, because it, it's a really it's a difficult one. Now I I believe, we believe scriptures inspire. We want to understand uh, the tough verses too, not just the easy ones. And it, it's interesting because some of you know I like to go on social media. I also hate social media. And uh, one of the things, I go on Twitter a lot lately because I've just kind of gotten sick of Facebook and all the fighting and everything, I don't know. <laughs> and so I go on to another medium where there's a lot of fighting. <laughs> but it's like different fights, so it's, it, it feels fresh and new. And, I, and I, I went on this one, and it was like they were arguing about something, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, you just don't understand. Because you can't just interpret the Bible without some context to it, and so sometimes... Uh, that and so today is one of those I think if we understand the context it'll get a little easier but uh, we're going to look into Psalm 137 and and we'll look at why this is uh, why this was written Uh, perhaps explain a little bit when we get to the last verse that's the one that's going to shock you if you haven't read it before so reading Psalm 137 from the New Living Translation Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of poplar trees. For our captives demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you. If I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. O Lord, remember what the Edomites did on the day the armies of Babylon captured Jerusalem. Destroy it, they yelled. Level it to the ground. O Babylon, you will be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Yeah, you didn't even know that was in there, huh? You've read it before and skipped over that. Um, This would be a time to say we don't have nursery care available. No. (laughs) No. uh we're still trying to figure that out with covid you know it, it's a shocking one right and you're like great jeff chose like the weirdest psalm you know if it's the first time with us or with us online you're thinking man this dude what is he thinking what kind of weird church cult have i gotten myself into um we are bringing out the snakes in a minute only uh members can handle snakes that's one of the no i'm kidding <laughs> some of you are looking up like are you sure you're still not sure you've known me for like Eight or nine years, some of you, and still don't know if you're sure. Uh, So, we're just going to dive in because we got nothing. Psalm 137, kind of backing it up here. Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of poplar trees. Uh, now, it's funny, I had to look up what if they were the type of poplars we have, and I was doing all this research on the particular type of tree, but the, the rest of you probably don't care. They're not quite like our poplars, like tulip poplars. That's Anyway, <laughs> for our captives demanded a song from us, our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? And so, sort of, the setting of this is they are in captivity in Babylon. Now, most of us probably don't know a lot, or maybe some of us do, about ancient warfare and practices. But if you you read the Bible, you you see some of the things that happened. So like, um, you know, Jeremiah 39, uh, you know, the king of Babylon made Zedekiah watch as he slaughtered his sons. And then the king of Babylon slaughtered all the nobles of Judah. Then he gouged out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him in bronze chains to lead him off to Babylon. So it's like they made like this is like as Jerusalem falls, some bad stuff happens. Now I could go into the details of this, we could go, but you kind of get the sense, and some of you are like, "Oh great, <laughs> this is not what I want to hear on a Sunday morning." <laughs> but but kind of bad stuff happens, and so I think the first most of us, if you've been around church for a while, you know what Jeremiah twenty nine once i get you going there you're like oh yeah 11 that one <laughs> you know because you've got you got the cross stitch you got the plaque you, you've shared it online on facebook uh for i know the plans i have for you says lord their plans were good and not for disaster to give you a hope and a future uh but if we back it up to verse 10 this is what the lord says you will be in babylon for 70 years but then i will come and, and do for you all the good things i promised and it will bring you home again hey, and then, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and for a future. And so God gives them a hope and a future. But at the time this psalm is written, the Israelite people had been in their kingdom. And what happens in the ancient world is, is like kingdoms take over kingdoms. And if you don't pay the kingdom the ransom, kind of like if you don't give the bully your lunch money, he comes and beat you up. And it's kind of like that on a bigger scale. And so they, they didn't kind of pay the ransom, didn't pay the money, and, uh, and they'd kind of gone their own way, and God let them get taken over. Uh, and so they're, they're, what they would do a lot of times is they would deport a bunch of people And they they had a particular region, they deported them and put them there to kind of resettle, take care of and everything. And so they take the people from their land to another place and and they're just there working, living. Uh, And and so that's kind of the setting, if you will. Imagine you're you're sitting in exile, you're refugees, which really should make you sympathetic to the plight of refugees, but that's a whole other sermon, a whole other discussion for a whole other day. But you're sitting there. But then you have those who've captured you asking you to sing for them. Like, sing, my little monkey. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of how I picture it. And whether they meant it mockingly, kind of like, hey, sing for us. Your God didn't do so good for you in there. Or or whether they were actually curious, you know, hey, like, I heard you guys got some good songs. We're looking for some new music. We want a new sound for our band. (laughs) You know, it's a sing us one of those songs. And, you know, you might expect you know, if you were them, maybe you've heard it. You heard heard about the songs. Just so sing us one of the songs. And it might be something like Psalm One Eighty Four. You know, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of Heaven's armies? I, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. Or what joy for those who can live in your house! A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Like there's all these beautiful lyrics in the Psalms, and that's maybe what they were hoping for. It's like, hey, sing us this nice song, something beautiful. You know, for those of us here. If you've you've been in church long, maybe you've heard worship music and maybe you have a a favorite worship song. And and so maybe they're thinking, oh, yeah, sing us one of your church songs. Let's get a church on, you know? (laughs) Some of you don't get it. Uh, But think of how painful that would be in that moment to try to sing something like that while your whole world has fallen apart. Every one of my points today will be accompanied by thunder. Oh, what happens if we lose power? I guess the online folks won't make it. <laughs> um, I mean, you'll make it through life, just not through the sermon. <laughs> uh, but but it would be, it would be difficult, right? And you, you'll be like, what did he say for that last verse? Why do we anyway? Uh, it, it's this difficult thing, and so it says, you know, if I forget O Jerusalem and let my right hand forget how to play the harp, or you know, maybe your right hand how to strum the guitar, because you know, most of us are not harpsing it out. Um, So anyway, you know, may my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. So they're they're depressed and distressed. They don't want to sing. Uh, And maybe, you know, even individually, I think a lot of us can probably relate to this, because there's times you come to church, you're like, the joy of the Lord, and then there's other times you're like, no joy, Lord, and maybe you don't even come. <laughs> you're watching online when you could come, because you're like, oh, not to say, it's okay, I know some of you guys are watch online, but, but, you know, you just, you kind of, you, you don't feel like it, you don't feel like singing. The, the music might be popping, but you're like, I'm just sitting here, I'm not saying anything, I don't feel like it, and that's kind of how it is, but not because they're mad, <laughs> they're just sort of upset. They're distressed. It says, oh, oh, remember what the Edomites did on the day of the armies of Bab- the Babylon captured Jerusalem? Destroy it, they yelled, level it to the ground. Now, Edomites, does anybody know who the Edomites are? Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> you probably don't. Uh, a couple years ago, if you've been with us for a while, we did, we did a series uh, through the Minor Prophets. So we talked a little bit about, about a guy named Obadiah uh, you know, and this, for some of you, this is the most you've ever heard of this guy named Obadiah. Um, you know, if you, if you go back, it might even be on the website. We have the old, old teachings we did, but Obadiah, um, we're going to jump to Obadiah. It's, if you're actually with a physical Bible, it's, you're not going to find it. Give up. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's in there. Trust me. Uh, it's a small Bible, uh, a small thing. It's, you know, one, one chapter. Um, and it elaborates a little bit on the Edomites, and it says this in Obadiah, uh, verse 1. This is the vision the sovereign Lord revealed to Obadiah concerning the land of Edom. We have heard the message from the Lord get an, that an ambassador was sent to the nations to say, Get ready, everyone. Let's assemble our armies and attack Edom. The Lord says to Edom, I will cut you down to size among the nations. You will be greatly despised. Now, uh, if you know the story, maybe you've been around about. maybe you don't realize who the Edomites are, but you've maybe heard of Jacob and Esau. <laughs> you're like yes i got that one uh, jacob and esau they were they were twins they, they, they fight in the womb esau comes out all red and hairy so like picture tickle me elmo with an attitude uh, so he, he's kind of the you know kind of like rough and tough sort of guy. Uh, esau think guns and ammo magazine cabela's you know, he, he's, you know, he's probably got tats and everything. I don't know, you can't see it through his furry arms. But, you know, <laughs> he, he was sort of the, the manly man that you kind of think of. Uh, Jacob was more like HGTV and Food Network. <laughs> like, he stayed inside, he kind of hung out with mom. Both manly dudes, but in different ways. And so, um, you know, Esau, if you read the story, Esau kind of doesn't really care about spiritual things. He sells his birthright because he came back from a bad hunting trip and was hungry. He's like, "Oh, I'll give you my birthright for stew." Sure, that sounds like a good trade. Uh and then Jacob and mom tricked uh 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 Esau out of his uh, and his his father into giving uh Jacob the birthright. And if you know the story, he like puts on uh he's uh his father wants him to go out and get food and he he kind of they kill a lamb, they make it taste like venison and they they like put like skins on his arms and stuff and they I don't know what they put on it to like make him stink like he was in the field you know because there's a certain stink to hunting because you have to destinkify your clothes when you hunt it but really what you're doing I I, I don't buy the pro- you know professional things that destinkify your clothes I just stick my clothes in like old moldy leaves and I'm invisible to deer because I smell a certain way but I don't smell great when I get home right like you're not like oh boy, that smells musty, <laughs> and it's kind of, you know, and, and so there's this, you know, they, they kind of, he kind of uh, hides things, and so, anyway, so they, 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 then Jacob runs off, they, they, but they eventually make up when Jacob comes back, he's got kids and everything, but, and so they make up, but here's the thing, their descendants kind of didn't get along, And there were often some things like when when uh, when Jacob's descendants are coming out of Egypt, God's people, uh, the Edomites kind of had some tension there. So they were they're like distant cousins, but they're like the distant cousins you're frustrated with because they, you know, they don't invite you to dinner. They argue. with I don't know. (laughs) And so there's always this tension and they're they're proud and arrogant. And, uh, you know, I always think of this when I think of the Edomites and probably some of you do because. Um, you know, uh, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. You know that, like, temple that's, like, in the rock? That's a real thing. That was the Edomites' temple. <laughs> that was, like, their place. And so there was, like, their fortress. And so it's called, like, and my, my uh, Al-Kazakna, I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, and so they had this, this strong place that only, they, they, people theorize you only took 12 men to defend that 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 place and so and then they trusted uh they they had allies and things and so they they kind of trusted them that they would get them in and um I got a funny story this week he's talking about you know you trust in things you think you can trust in my son called me um and he's doing something I was like well I gotta go and he's like I I said "I, I just answered because like I thought maybe you needed to get in. He's like, Dad, I can get in. I got a key. I brought my key. You you know, I was like, well, you never know. And so anyway, guess what happens like five minutes later when he actually gets home? His key wasn't working in the door. And it was so funny because I was like, oh, I got a key. I guess you got a key. Uh, (laughs) uh, It was just fun. (laughs) I mean, you can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Like, I don't know why, it, the lock work, I mean, anyway, lock, lock works fine, but his key wasn't working, and it was great. But you, you trust in things that maybe you should or shouldn't trust it. And they had this pride, they were with, they're, they're wise, it's a, and then, but here's verse 10. Because of the violence you did to your close relatives, you will be filled with shame and sorrow forever. When, you were in, when they were invaded, so kind of think when, as the Babylonians are coming in, you stood aloof, refusing to help them. Uh, you know, foreign invaders carried off their wealth and cast lots to divide up Jerusalem, but you acted like one of, uh, uh, Israel's enemies. And and so they just kind of like stood there and let it happen. You know, uh, as Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And so they could have helped, they didn't. They just, (laughs) ah, look at those guys. Um, and then I'm going to skim through here because it says, uh, because we could go forever here you should not have gloated when they exiled your relatives to distant lands you should not have rejoiced when the people of judah suffered such misfortune you should not have spoken arrogantly in that terrible time of trouble you should not have plundered you should not have gloated you should not have seized their wealth you stood at the crossroads killing those who tried to escape you should not have captured the survivors and handed them over uh, and then all that verse 15 the day of the lord is near when i the lord will judge all godless nations as you have done to israel so it will be done to you all your evil deeds will fall back on your own heads so the nations get judged and the things they've done kind of come back on them uh and so here we go Eight. Oh, babylon see we're getting closer to nine everyone's like what's he building to where are we going with this? Uh, oh, Babylon, you will be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Pays you back. So what you have done to us. Um, now, Babylon in the Bible, of course, is the real place. Think modern-day Iraq. Some of you have been there. <laughs> uh, took over. You know, they destroyed Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, and there's the, it was barbaric things they did in the ancient world. And, and really, it's barbaric now. And sometimes we, we catch... Uh, uh, some pictures of the things that happen in war. I certainly don't want to make today's sermon about that. Uh, but it's, it's not hard to picture the Babylonians being brutal in many ways. When we see them killing a guy's sons before him and all his nobles and then, you know, popping his eyes out. Um, it, it's a Babylon, in the Bible becomes sort of a metaphor for evil kingdom. So verse 9, happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them. Uh, against the rocks now this is not a plaque or instagram verse you're not doing cross stitch with this one if you do that's weird um <laughs> but there's a specific genre this is called an imprecatory psalm and so you can sound fancy when you, when you say the word imprecatory but it really it's just the idea of uh, it's calling down uh, for, for curses on god's enemies now this is problematic for most of us right like if this doesn't shock you a little Something wrong with you. Uh <laughs> like this is like th- this is a shocker. <laughs> um and, and so what's the deal with that? Um Spurgeon wrote this. He said, Let those who find fault with it who have never seen their temple burned, their city ruined, their wives ravished, and their children slain, they might not perhaps be so velvet mouthed if they'd suffered after this fashion. It is one thing to talk of the bitter feeling which moved captive Israelites in Babylon. Quite another to be captives ourselves under a strange and remorseless power, which we knew not how to show mercy, but delight in barbarities to the defenseless. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 137 is a fruit of the captivity in Babylon and often it is furnished expression for sorrows, which had helped us <laughs> been unutterable. Um, I, I think it, it's easier, if you can really put yourself in their place, It's easier to understand the emotion. It's not like God's saying this is a good thing. But it's it's a little easier to go, man, I get it. That's how you're feeling. You want what's happened to you to come back on them. Um, Verse 8, a guy who's a very good um, Hebrew scholar translates it this way. He says, daughter of Babylon the despoiler, happy who pays you back in kind for what you did to us. Daughter of Babylon, the despoiler. And the message says it this way, it says, and you Babylonians, ravagers, a reward to whoever gets back to you for all you have done to us. Um, the guy who translated the, 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 uh, the Daughter of Babylon, the, spo- the spoiler, Robert Alter, wrote this. He said, no moral justification can be offered for this notorious concluding line. All one can do is recall the background of outraged feeling that triggers the conclusion. The Babylonians have laid waste to Jerusalem, exiled much of its population, looted and massacred. The powerless captives ordered, perhaps mockingly, to sing their Zion songs, respond instead with a lament that is not really a song. and ends with this blood-curdling curse pronounced on their captors who, fortunately, do not understand the Hebrew in which it is pronounced. Um, (laughs) so you cut a picture maybe they're like oh look they sang a pretty song but they have no idea um what they're singing it's kind of like sometimes you know we sing songs like how about macarena hey macarena you ever you ever heard the actual words of that song sketchy (laughs) all all we do is sing the macarena part and do (laughs) (laughs) that it wouldn't be appropriate for church. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you who speak Spanish are laughing, because you know. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, <laughs> I, so I picture them like not understanding that they've actually been pronounced judgment against them. Um, and then, again, Alter's translation was, daughter of Babylon, the despoiler." happy is you who pays back in kind for what you did to us. And, and I think, you know, most of us have been through hard stuff in life. We're real about that here. We'll say, hey, sometimes there's some hard stuff that happens, right? I mean, there, we've been through some stuff. We've experienced some things. It's been hard. But sometimes the level at which we experience is not as some others have experienced. You know, I've, uh, you know, I, I've read a lot because of my, um, my academic stuff on the Holocaust. You know, to be a Holocaust survivor you know, they, they, they struggle a little, right? <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, you, you would understand wanting God's judgment a little little better. Survival of World War II maybe had your whole village overrun. You know, or I think right now with the, the Afghan refugees and everything going on there, it's like, you know, very real terror and problems. And, I, and so I think they would probably understand this in a different way than we would. Now, as followers of Jesus, it's best to, as Matthew 5.43 says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But I think it's still easy to think those things. Romans 12.14, bless those who persecute, don't curse them, pray that God will bless them. That's hard. That's hard with what I've experienced. certainly much harder if you'd experienced um, the fall of Jerusalem uh it's a, why were these words written it's not a prescription of what to do to your enemy which i think is kind of how some of us read it it's more of a let's see how you would feel uh and i think it's this appeal for justice for god to act you know ultimately edom and babylon were accountable when you read the news reports today about the world do you hear much about edom <laughs> no Do you you hear much about Babylon? Occasionally it will be mentioned in an article on Iraq. (laughs) But but the kingdom itself, gone, right? Uh, You know, uh, Galatians 6, 7 uh, says this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life in the spirit. You know, all of us are accountable and will get justice unless we repent it's only in christ that we have we have that forgiveness uh and then we'll still be accountable for how we live but again that's a another sermon for another time uh, i want to jump back to the second peter chapter three which we it wasn't too long ago we did second peter um, chapter three starting verse eight says this but you must not forget this one thing dear friends a day is like a thousand years of the lord and a thousand years is like a day lord isn't really being slow about his promises some people think no he's being patient for our sake He does not want anyone to be destroyed but he wants everyone to repent and so a day is like a thousand years uh you know when you're summer when you're a a kid like summer just seems like a really long time right when you're a little older does it seem like it just blink and it's gone (laughs) that was a really emphatic yes and i'll tell you the older i get the faster summer goes uh, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, I didn't hardly make it to the beach. It's over, because it, you know, when you're older, it's like a lesser percentage of your life, so it doesn't it doesn't seem that big a thing. See, we're like children. Like, we, we seem like when we see suffering, when we feel pain, it seems like it stretches on forever. But God's eternal, and, and, and so a little brief time uh, for Him may seem long for us. But you know, we ultimately we want justice from God. But we struggle sometimes because in this life we don't have it we don't have it now. It's not instant, right? We, we suffer at the hands of someone else. We want justice. And, but as part of that is because God wants everyone to repent. Um, God's heart is not in the destruction of people. It's in their salvation. I, I told you the story one time. I was on a plane. And I, I, I had a terrible seat. But I, you know I was in the back and it was going to be like a 10 or 12 hour flight and um i'm I'm sitting there and the people next to me didn't show up i was so happy i was like i'm gonna be able to stretch out and some of you have had like those super long flights and you smell because you've been flying for a day and you know it's (laughs) you're just like oh this is gonna be so great and just before the door closed these two people burst in i was not happy I mean, if they'd been my relatives or my family, I'd be happy they made the plane. But at that moment, I was a little selfish. I was like, oh, I know they're going to sit next to me. And sure enough, they sat next to me. And yeah, it was, it was an interesting flight. I, I generally like people on flights, but he was that guy that talks to you the whole time, but then doesn't listen to your answer. Like, he'll ask you a question, and then he doesn't listen at all. And you're like, Yeah, you know, I'd love to tell you about stuff, but please just stop. And he, and he, had, he had very poor... Um, uh language skill he was trying to teach me a language that he didn't know and he's giving me all the wrong answers (laughs) anyway but his swahili was not very good (laughs) but you know god's god's like the airline god wants everyone on the plane sometimes we're selfish so we view it in our eyes we want the door to shut and be the last one but we'd all be upset if we were the one if you've ever been running to make a flight i one time was running to make a flight i got there she shut the door in my face I was like, no, I want to get home and see my family. But instead, I was, you know, outside of a, I was, I forget, I was somewhere in the Midwest, stuck behind a door. You know, you know, you want to make it on the plane, but we have to understand that God's being patient because he wants everyone on the plane. And so sometimes God's justice doesn't happen when we want. Maybe we're, you know, off in a foreign land, you know figuratively not probably real really uh, and we have to trust that, that ultimately god's doing that because god wants more people on the plane um second peter three ten says but the lord will come uh, as unexpectedly as a thief then the heavens will pass away with terrible noise the elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be, be found to deserve judgment so ultimately you know every time it rains i mean come on who's made an ark joke today I haven't, surprisingly. But you know, we always, oh, better build an ark. You know, I remember one time I was driving through Sussex County. Um, some of you, you, know, jokes are coming already, because whenever you start off, you know, I was driving through Sussex County. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I was driving, then I, was, we were, I had to shoot over to Maryland. I can't even remember what wedding I was doing. There was a giant boat in the guy's front yard. And I was like, does, and it was raining really hard. I'm like, does he know something I don't know? Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, you know the, the flood destroyed the earth and God says next time by a fire. And so think, you know, however it looks to you. You know, ultimately, there will be a judgment. There will be a time for judgment. And so what the psalmist is crying out for is that judgment. Now, the words are hard for us. But, but I think we can understand that ultimately we want justice. And fortunately, we're lucky because we don't get the justice we deserve when we put our faith and trust in Christ. And ultimately, God extends that to everyone, even our enemies, that hope, that desire for us to repent. So we wait, wait, we wait patiently for God, and although it's hard while we wait for justice, God cares, and ultimately, he will make things right.